0: for joining us here today at Victory Church where we pray big prayers to a big God and we expect big results. If you have any questions or want to learn more about who we are, visit us online at Victory.Church or just download our Victory app. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Hestein.
1: It's so good to be with you and so good to gather. There's nothing like gathering. Uh, Nothing like being in the presence of the Lord, so we're honored that you're here. We thank you for for doing that with us today. Uh, Today I want to preach a message to you that um, I believe will encourage you. I think it's a timely message. Uh, This is not a message that I pulled out of the file and stuck in the microwave and warmed it up for you. This is fresh. This is like right off the boat fresh, okay? And so I I wrote this message this week um, in light of what we're facing as a nation But I also wrote this message in light of what I sense the Holy Spirit saying to all of us. And I think that in many ways, this message will speak to you right where you're at. I hope it does. I pray that it does. And so if you have your Bibles, I hope you have your Bibles. Anybody Anybody still carry a paper Bible? There's a couple paper Bibles. Okay, see, anybody got a paper Bible? Wave Wave it high like you just don't care. There's a few. How many of you got your phone? Tablet? Come on. Okay, whether you're on the digital or the paper... Flip or scroll to a couple of passages, okay? I'm going to read you three verses that are going to get us pointed in the right direction today. And so go ahead and start flipping to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6, and I'm going to wait. I know they're going to be up on the screens and, you know, we do it the lazy way sometimes and we can just read it on the screens, but I want you to flip to it, okay? I'm going to wait for you. And then when I read this passage, I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 11, So if you have a paper Bible, you can kind of hold your place and start flipping to Hebrews, chapter 11. And then we're also going to go to Isaiah. But let me start in 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 6. And I hope you'll begin to pick up the theme as we read some of these. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6, it says this. It says, so we are always confident. Always. Even when there's no reason to be confident. As Christ followers, we can be confident. Knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Verse 7, this is the theme. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, flip over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. It's known as the faith chapter. And it goes through all the heroes of our faith. And it says, by faith Moses, and by faith this, and by faith. And it just lists all of them down. And so, it's talking about We walk by faith, not by sight. We don't walk by the eyeballs in our head. We walk by the eyeballs of our spirit. Okay? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. How can we be sure of something that I can't see? Okay? We walk by faith, not by sight. And we have an assurance about what we don't see. I hope you're beginning to see the theme. Flip over to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 42. I've preached on this message before. This is a me- this is a passage of scripture that I've told you before is on my mirror in my bathroom. Like this is one of the mirror verses. I have certain verses that Michelle and I put on our mirrors because we it's a season for us. It's speaking to us in some way, and this is one of those passages. And you'll begin to see the theme. Isaiah 42 verse 16. I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible. It says, we will lead, this is God, I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. And I will guide them in the path that they do not know. And I will make darkness into light before them and rugged places into plains. These are the things I will do for them and I will not leave them abandoned or undone. It says, I will lead the blind. And I don't know about you, but there's some areas of our nation and areas of of our lives and areas of every area of our life where there's something that feels blind. Like I just can't see. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know what's about to happen. Today, I'm going to try to convince you of something. It's the title of my message. My title today is this, Better Off Blind. Better Off Blind. I'm going to spend some time trying to convince you of this. All right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that your word is true and that your word is solid. Nothing else is solid. Nothing else. Nothing else around us is worthy. Nothing else around us is, is dependable. It's only your word. So I pray that your word would do that today for us today, God, that it would come and be a, a rock, something we can stand on for assurance and direction. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I got in this debate the other day with my kids. My kids and I, uh, my kids love to play this game. I don't know if your kids like this game or not. My kids like to play this game um uh, called, um, oh, what's it called? Would you rather? You guys ever playing this with your kids? Would you Would you rather do this or would you rather do this? Would you rather w- walk on a bed of hot coals or, or on nails? You know, you, you got to pick one. And so the other day we were playing one and and, you know, I said, would you rather be blind or deaf? And... Neither, right? Is that an option? Uh, and one of my kids said, I'd rather be blind. I was like, you're crazy. I would hate to be blind. That's, that just seems like the worst. Because everything we do, we use our eyes. You know, I'm I'm walking around. I'm looking at all your faces, the, you know. Smile. Smile at me. Come on, y'all. I can see your faces. Smile. Give me your big smile. There they are. You guys look good. Okay, see smiling, too. Um, we use our eyes for so much. It's our direction. And, and so many things happen when we can't see. So many things happen when we can't see and, and you know, I don't just like to see physically, I like to see metaphorically I guess. I like to be able to see what's around the corner. <laughs> I like to kind of foresee something that's about to happen. It makes me feel better, it makes me feel more comfortable, it makes me feel more assured, it makes me have an assurance when I know what's happening in my finances and when I know what's happening in my life and when I know what's happening in relationships and when I know what's happening with the church and I don't know about you but there's so many things that I just feel completely blind to I don't know what church looks like post-COVID nobody does nobody really knows how many people are going to come back to church and after COVID or if if online is just going to become the new norm and as in higher education I serve as a president I don't know what post covid looks like in higher education and how it's going to affect education and what that looks like and and i'm leading a seminary of training the next generation of pastors well i'm like well i don't know what the, the, the church of tomorrow looks like so how can i train the pastor of tomorrow and there's so much uncertainty and there's so many things i don't know and i don't know what the economy is going to look like in 2021 i don't know what the stock market's going to do tomorrow uh, i don't know what our nation looks like in 2021 and beyond i, I don't there's so much uncertainty, and there's so many things that I feel blind to. And what I want to do today, I have one goal that I'm going to try to convince you of, and I want to try to convince you by the end of my message that you're better off blind. You're better off. Now, to do this, I need a, I need a volunteer. I'm going to use an illustration because this person that I'm going to bring up on stage is actually going to preach my sermon for me. Any volunteers? Any volunteers? They were until I said, preach this sermon for me. Colin, come up here. Come here, Colin. Hop up here. Yeah, I know your name, so you're you're uh, in danger. Get up here like you mean it. Come on. Jump up here. Colin's my friend. Colin, how are you? I'm great. Are you nervous? No. Okay. You should be. Okay. Go back down the stairs where you were. All right. You're going to help me participate. You're going to help me preach this sermon. Turn around and face the crowd. Uh, You're going to be blindfolded for a really long time. Okay. Mm, That was for being a kid. Can you hear? Can you see?
0: No. You can't? No.
1: Okay. Stay right there. Stay right there. Oh, wait. I forgot to do one thing. Alright, stay right there. (laughs) Colin, I need you... I'm back up on the stage. I need you to come up on the stage with me. Point number one, if you're taking notes, you're better off blind because when you're blind, your pace will slow. Now, the first time that I asked him to come up here on the stage... He got up here pretty quick. He's pretty young. He's pretty spry. He pounced up here like a gazelle, right? But the second time that I come up here, he had to think about it. And he had to slow down his mind. And he had to think about where he was and where he needed to be. And he wasn't able to just run up here like he did before. Now, one of the reasons that you're better off blind and sometimes God keeps you blind is because if you weren't blind, you would run too fast. And you would try to get things done too quickly, and you would miss stuff. And sometimes God keeps us in the dark. He keeps us blind to what His plan is going to be. Because when you're blind, you lose confidence in yourself, and you gain confidence in the Lord. Before, I asked Colin to hop up here. He didn't think twice about it. He's like, I got this. He jumped up, and he used his eyeballs and he had a little hand-eye coordination and an eye-foot coordination, and he knew steps were there, and he stepped right up there. When he was blind, he had to take a different pace, and he had to slow himself down, and he had to think about it in ways that he never had thought about it before. And I'm pretty sure that the word fast is not in God's vocabulary. At least it's not in my life. If, if you figured out a way for God to do stuff quickly in your life, I would like to have a conversation with you. Because you know something that I don't know. And many times God is taking me on a journey that's way slower paced than I would like it to be because there's some, with God it's never about the destination. It's about the journey. And God is trying to teach us some stuff in the journey and He wants to slow us down. Let me show you this passage that will be very familiar to you when I first read it, potentially, if you've been in church. At the end of it has a few words that jumped out at me in Isaiah chapter 28. You doing okay, Colin? Okay, you look good. Just sit tight. Isaiah twenty-eight verse sixteen says this. It says, "Therefore, thus says the Lord of God: Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a stone, a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation." Watch now. These are the part that I missed. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Now, this word "hastily" in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word "kush," and it means to hurry, to act quickly. This Bible is saying. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the firm foundation. And anybody believe, who believes in Jesus won't be hurried. You won't act too quickly. Why? Because you know that His pace is the right pace. And I don't need to trump the, 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 the pace. That, that was a pun. I did not use that intentionally. You're like, oh, He said trump. He means something. But no, I didn't. I don't need to, I don't need to trump God. Right? Maybe that does work. I don't know, but I didn't mean it to. Um, I don't need to to figure out God's job for him. I need to just slow down. And sometimes God blindfolds me because I will slow down and become more aware of my surroundings. I will be more in tune with what he's saying and what he's doing. And I think in many ways I'm better off blind because if I'm blind, then I'm 100% dependent on God's timing and his purposes. Colin, I have another task for you. Um, you're standing on this side of the stage, and I'm going to ask you in a moment to walk to the other side of the stage. I have placed a lot of obstacles on this stage that you can't see. And there's a lot of really expensive equipment up here, and if you break something, I'm going to make you pay for it. Okay? So, on the other side of the stage is a drum kit. And I need you to um, to walk over there. But there's going to be some obstacles in your way. Okay? Go ahead. Number two, if you're taking notes. You're better off blind because your hand will reach. You notice that he instinctively started sticking his hands out. Why? Because I told him there was obstacles. And so he instinctively just started doing this. He started reaching his hands out. Why? Because, okay, you can stop. Now you're just looking dumb, Colin. <laughs> Plus, you're about to walk off the stage and break a leg, and I don't need no lawsuits up in here with everything else. No, you're, you're doing great, Colin. He instinctively started looking for stability. Something that I could be sure of. Some sort of clarity. I, I, we, we are, we're just wired this way we need understanding as humans and I need some sort of understanding and when God blindfolds you do you know what you do you start reaching out for some sort of stability and we must be very careful where we reach because you will reach to the media you will reach to friends you will reach to social media and if you're insecure you'll start reaching to fill the void Because when we're blind, when we feel lost, when we don't understand what God's doing, we instinctively, it's just instinct, we start reaching out. Let me show you this passage in Proverbs 3.5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. You're going to try to lean on something. You're going to lean. you're You're going to search. You're going to look for something to lean on. So, you want to, but you really, if you want to break all of that down, when you're blind and you don't know what's happening in your life, it, and, and we start trying to find stability and understanding, if you really want to break it down to its core, what it is at the core, we want to be in control. At the end of the day, Colin wanted to be in control of his own situation. He didn't want to fall on his face in front of all you great people at the OKC campus and Edmond campus and watching online and make a fool of himself. He wanted to be able to control the situation and accomplish the task without embarrassment. Accomplish the task because I asked him to do it. And so he began to reach. And when you're blind, you begin to reach. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, it says, A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So Colin knew that he needed to get to the other side of the stage. But he needed somebody to direct his steps. Now, if I I would have been able to direct the steps, I would have said, Colin, do you trust me? Do you do? I've known you for a really long time, haven't I? I held you when you were a baby. Do you think I would want you to fall off the stage and break your leg? (laughs) He said maybe. Come on, play along, Colin. You know I love you. Do you know where the edge of the stage is? How far over there do you think it is though two feet take turn turn to your right you a little bit to the left so you think the end of the stage is two feet I want you to take four steps forward go back go back you don't trust me do you trust me you promise turn to the right a little bit Take four steps forward with confidence. Go back. Go back. Go back. Did you notice how how quickly he went back? Because he's been there before. He went back just fine. I know what that feels like. I'll go back to there. But he he yet trusts my voice. Do you trust me? Yes or no? You do. Take four steps confidently forward with confidence. still on the stage aren't you turn around face me take three steps forward turn right take three steps no, left a little bit take three steps forward turn around all the way around do you trust me squat down You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but when I'm working with God sometimes, I'm like, God, if you'll set everything up, I'll go. And I I think sometimes God's like, no, you go, and I'll set everything up. I think God is more moved by our obedience than our ability to see. I think God is more moved by our obedience when we can't see anything. And the Lord says to us over and over and over and over again, Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Well, kind of God, I mean, uh, I'll tithe sometimes. You know, let me just kind of limp up here. Let me just do it a little bit. And God is just always, always, always wanting to know, wanting to know, wanting to know, Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Okay, hop up, Colin. I want you to help me preach my next point. Come over here. Which is spin three times. No, nope, no, wait, this way. No, nope, this way. Okay, right right there. Okay, good. Stay right there. You know what my voice sounds like, don't you, Colin? You've heard my voice for a really long time. You've been listening to my voice since you were a baby. Take 20 steps forward, Colin whose voice was that And you just listen to that voice You have, you were going to take 20 steps off the front of a stage Go back Go back Take 5 steps forward Take four steps to your left. Take four steps to your left.
0: Son, take four steps to your left.
1: (laughs) Did you recognize that voice? The third reason that you're better off blind is because your ear will listen. I think this might be the most important one. Because whenever you lose one sense, your other ones become more in tune. And what I've noticed in my life over and over again is whenever I feel the most blind to what my future holds, that I listen for God's voice more than I ever would have otherwise. And I think the reason that God thinks and knows that we're better off blind It's because when we can't see with our natural eyes what God's trying to do, we're more in tune with our spiritual ears to hear what the voice of the Lord is saying. And he's always, he's constantly trying to get our attention. Psalm 119, 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste. I'm sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Verse 105 is the one you've seen. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Now, sometimes I wish I could rewrite some scriptures to make them more in tune with what I would really like that they say. Because I would really like that verse better if it said your word is a spotlight. (laughs) But it says that your word is a lamp. Now, not the LED lamps, okay? LED lamps were not invented yet. These were candles. So what the Lord is saying is, His word is going to be just enough light to show you your next step. I'm not going to light up the whole path. I'm not going to show you a mile down the road. And I'm not going to show you the terrain. I'm not going to show you the elevation. I'm not going to show you what dangers lie ahead. I'm not going to show you that just to your left is a sheer face cliff that goes straight down to your doom and death. I'm going to give you just enough light to take the next step. And that's what he wants to come and do. Because why? Because God knows that we're better off blind. And God wants to take our journey one step at a time. And we're so much more in tune with what he's saying whenever we're blind. In John chapter 10 verse 27 it says, this is Jesus saying this. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. My voice. I know them and they know me. And they follow me because they know my voice. And so I'm here to tell you today, I know it's not the most comforting, it's not the most awesome. I'm not here to say that, you know, 2020, you're going to have 2020 vision in 2020. No, you were blind in 2020. You were totally and utterly blind. And I bet you, you're more dependent on God now than you ever were, were before. Colin, you can take your blindfold off. Can we give Colin a hand, everyone? Good job, Colin. <laughs> One more thing I want to show you that I'll try to convince you of that you're better off blind, that maybe maybe being blind, God's doing something. Point number four, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. A change in my sight might shed light that maybe I'm not right. I know there's an alliteration there, right? I'm a preacher. I have to make things rhyme. I want to show you an example of sometimes when you can't see, God can actually use this to get your attention for something. Let me show you this example in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. In Acts 9 is when Paul, who goes on to write the majority of the New Testament, is whenever he was being introduced to Jesus. And I want to show you how Jesus got his attention. Verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And it's important to stop here and note that Saul thought he was doing the Lord's work. Keep that in mind, okay? He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see any one. Saul got up from from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. Now watch. So they... Led him. Why? Because he couldn't see. He couldn't see. He had no confidence. He had, he's, I, I could picture Saul. I could picture Saul. You know what he was doing? <laughs> he had his hands out, his pace had slowed, and he was listening for somebody's voice. Verse 9. For three days he was blind. Here's the question How did Jesus get Saul's attention? He made him blind. He got Saul's attention by, bl- by, by making him blind, by affecting the way he saw. And Paul discovered that becoming blind was actually what made him able to see. <laughs> Isn't God cool? God just so... I, it's the, the irony, like, thinking about this that way, that he, he, didn't, he didn't know the truth. And God said, I'm going to reveal the truth to you by striking you blind. So what is God trying to say to us during these seasons? Because the key to this story with Saul and maybe the, the, the key to the story with you is blindness made Saul better. It was blindness that caught his attention enough to turn his affections back to Jesus and to become better and for God to use him. God used this to get his attention. And I don't know about you, but I've just come this is this is such a fresh word for me and a fresh revelation to me because I've just I'm in this real this sermon's still simmering in me. And it may become more, I don't know, because I'm just I didn't know that I wanted to preach this message this soon because this is still doing a work in me of how how much I'm realizing that I'm a better man when I'm blind. And I Ninety percent of my prayers is asking God to reveal stuff to me. You know? God just show me, just tell me, just just do it, like just get me there, just help me get to where we're and God's like, No, I I like you better blind. You're a better pastor when you're blind. You're a better husband when you're blind. I've noticed. God's like, I've noticed that you depend on me more when you're blind than when you can see. And when I show you too much, you try to take over my job. And I could just see this through my life. Every time that I began to get a little bit of vision, God would strike me blind. In a good way. So, you know, rewinding all the way back even to graduated college, and just like every college student, I had big ambitions and, you know, had hopes of landing a job, making six figures. Of course, we all do. You know, I have a college degree, you know. No, you're going to sell paper and make $18,000 a year. Congratulations. So I take over this job and I'm selling paper to banks and print materials and traveling all over Oklahoma and I'm given a new territory. I'm completely blind. I don't know how to be a salesman, like I have no idea how to be a salesman. God used this to begin to craft my people skills and God began to use this to help me talk to strangers and get to know people. And so I did this for about two and a half years. I started getting the hang of it. My territory started to grow. I started doing well. I started being more successful. I started seeing a future in this, potentially. And then God's like, oh, you look a little too comfortable. I get a call. I end up going into higher education. I go into higher education. I'm hired in an in administrative position at a university. I am completely blind. have no idea what I'm doing. I'm in my mid-twenties, sitting around a table with people in all in their sixties, way out of my league, no business being there, I'm stricken blind all over again, completely and utterly, slowing my pace, reaching out for God, tuning my ear to His voice. Three, or four years later, I'm like, "Man, I got this. I'm, I'm a pretty good VP. I'm pretty good at this. Higher Ed might be my thing. I think I got this." So I was like, "Oh, you look—you look like you could see a lot there. You look—you look a little comfortable." Did that for seven years, and then God said, "Nope, you're going to be a pastor." i became become the campus pastor at Victory Church in 2011, August of 2011, and I launched this campus that I'm at, at the Edmond campus. That's why I'm, I love this campus so much, because it's near and dear to my heart. I, 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 launched, I helped launch this campus. I, I remember when they offered me the job, I said, I'll take the job as long as you promise me I'll never have to preach. And I was like, we don't need you to preach, you'll never preach. We don't need you to do that. I go into the job, I've never held a microphone, I've never stood on stage, and I'm completely blind again. Completely blind. My pace slows back down. My hands are reaching out. My ear is tuned back into the Father. Completely and utterly dependent upon Him. I have no idea what I'm doing.
0: But I get pretty
1: good at being a campus pastor. I got this. I can do this. This is no big deal. I got this. I do that for about three years, and then God's like, oh, you look a little comfortable again. How about you be the lead pastor and preach every week? Struck blind immediately. <laughs> no idea what I'm doing. Guess what? My pace slows. I'm reaching out to the Father. My ear is attuned to His voice. I'm better off this way. I'm better off blind. I do this for a couple of years and I'm like, you know, that was really hard, but I think I got the hang of this. Pastoring. I can do this. I can write a sermon every week. I can pastor a church. I can lead people. Oh, God's like, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to bring your past back into your present. And I don't want you to just be a pastor. I want you to be the president of a university. Struck blind all over again. No idea what I'm doing. No idea what I'm doing. Okay? My pace slows. My hands reach. My ears attuned to his voice. Being comfortable is one of the most dangerous places you can ever be in this life. I am more convinced now, more than ever, that God is obsessed with making us uncomfortable. Get used to it. I'm becoming comfortably uncomfortable. Because when I'm uncomfortable, when I'm blind, when I have no idea what's going on, my pace has slowed, my hands are reaching, and my ears attuned to His voice. It's a good place to be. It's a good place to be god wants your attention and he'll blind you if he has to to get it we have to be in tune with what he's saying and what he wants to do in our life because everything that i've orchestrated on this earth has failed everything that he orchestrated has succeeded and every time that i'm so focused on seeing and seeing and seeing god takes the blindfold of life and puts it across my head and I am just so completely and utterly dependent upon him to work it out, you know what I found out? He does. He works it out. He's always working something behind the scenes that I didn't know he was doing. God's sneaky like that. He's. he's I'm worrying about something over here, and God's over here like in the kitchen cooking something up like, oh, you're going to like this. This is going to be good, you know. So I've just come to terms of, you know what, I'm just going to trust him. I'm just going to trust that he's cooking up something good. I'm just going to trust that he's doing something that I don't know that he's doing. I'll give you one more example of this of how God is always cooking something up that you've moved on and your sets have been your sights have been set on something else. Okay, I'll tell you a story. Um, when I became a pastor, it's time to ask I got time. When I became a pastor, I had come out of higher education. When I was in higher education, I wanted to be a college president. I felt like God told me to get a doctorate degree. And so i went and started working on my doctorate degree in education and i i I did abd if you don't know what in education abd means all but dissertation means i've done all the coursework and the only thing left is my dissertation the project and so i I was abd i become a pastor and within about a year i fell in love with the local church i'm like i'm going to give the rest of my life to the local church i love this god i don't know what you were saying back then but you were wrong and I don't I don't care about education anymore. I'm the local church. I don't need a doctorate degree. Forget that. I'm just gonna be A B D. Become a senior pastor, the church, you know, we went through some difficult seasons there as a church, and it took us a couple of years to climb out of that mess. We got out of that mess, and I took, kind of came up for air and took a deep breath. And my wife, who sounds like the Holy Spirit a lot, was like, You need to finish your doctorate degree. And I was like, Why? That's a dumb. I don't need to do that. I'm a pastor. I'm always going to be a pastor. This is what I want to do. And she said, because you're not a quitter. That's why. Ugh. So I did. I just started working on my, do- working on my doctorate. Degree. I got up writing. It was probably late 2016, early 2017. Wrote, 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 wrote. On, in August of 2017, I defended my dissertation. I was like, well, that was pointless. Did that. Cool. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't announce it to the church. I didn't tell anybody. I got, because I finished it in August, there wasn't a walking until May. So I was like, well, I'm not going to walk. I don't need to walk. I'll just, so they mailed me my diploma in March of 2018. They just mailed it to me. I got it in the mail, opened it. Oh, that's cool. You know, what, what am I going to do with this? God is always working something when you don't know it. He's always crafting something behind the scenes. So March of 2018, my diploma shows up in the mail on April the 22nd. 2018, the King's University called and said, we want you to be the president of our university. I was like, thanks, but no thanks. I love pastoring. I'm a pastor. I love this church. I'm not going to abandon this church. We've been through a lot and I'm not going to leave it. And they said, we don't want you to. We want you to do both. Then my head exploded. <laughs> They said who would who better to train the next generation of pastors and leaders than a pastor? So I say all that to say, I didn't say that for any other reason than to let you know. God is always cooking up something. But whatever he's cooking up, I just want to warn you, it will always involve discomfort. Discomfort. Because God is obsessed with stretching us. Do you know he wants you to stretch? Not because He wants to see you in pain. He wants you to stretch so that you can contain more. So that you can do more. He, he wants our, as I, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet says, Stretch your tent pegs. Strengthen your tent pegs. Stretch, stretch out your curtains. I want you to do more. I want you to do more for the kingdom of God. But there's always this involved of stretching. Let me read this passage for you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We read it a well while ago. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. That's a stretch. How do I have assurance about something that I can't see? How do I be blindfolded and be sure that the steps that God's directing me in are for good? There's, there's always going to be a stretch. Jesus talks about the stretching in, in the book of Matthew. He uses the illustration of the wineskins. Remember this illustration that he gave? And back then, they would have known exactly what he was talking about. He starts talking about wineskins in Matthew. There it is. It says, neither do, do, do people pour new wine into old wineskins, and if they do, if they do, the skin will burst, and it'll be ruined, it'll be wasted. So they knew what he was talking about. It would be like if I'd have stood up here and said, hey, if you had an iPhone 7, you shouldn't put that in water. That's a bad idea. And everybody would have been like, duh. So when he was saying these words, you don't put new wine into an old, old wineskin, everybody was like, yeah, duh. The reason for that was because when they would put wine into these wineskins, the fermentation process would begin. Okay, let me give you a really vivid, gross illustration. Most wineskins in those days were animal skins, like a goat. Let's get graphic. You've got to cut the goat's head off, okay? (laughs) I like watching people's faces whenever I say stuff like that. You've got to cut their legs off, then they would cinch up the leg skins real tight, and then take the throat of the goat and pour grape juice down in the throat, and then the bladder of this goat is full of grape juice. And then you cinch up the throat real tight. So it's airtight. So then the fermentation process begins. And I don't know it, so i got to look at my notes. The yeast transforms sugars in the juice into ethanol and carbon dioxide. And guess what that means? Gas. You ever seen a dead animal on the side of the road? Bloated up. It stretches that skin to capacity. And there's actually even a science behind that. The science of that is that the collagen protein that gives the leather its stretchy, uh, a bit stretching ability has been stretched out, and it's destroyed its natural elasticity. And the skin's ability to, con- to contract and stretch again is gone. Whatever you faced yesterday stretched you to a point, and your faith grew. That's why your trust for God now is bigger than it was when you were first a believer. If I'd have kept working with Colin up here for about 30 minutes, guess what? He'd have listened to every word I said. He would have followed me. He would have said whatever I said. Why? Because his faith in John would have grown. I had to stretch him, though. You saw, you saw some of that stretching happening on stage. He wasn't, he wasn't digging it. He wasn't digging it. So God always takes us through this stretching process. The things about stretching, the first thing, if you're taking notes, write this down. New wine always requires new stretch. And this may not be comforting, but you will never get to the point on this earth where God is not stretching you. So get used to it. Start to embrace it. Not because the stretching is fun, but you know what the stretching brings. Stretching brings new wine. It's doing something great. God's doing something in you. He's stretching you and preparing you for something greater. Because because your current faith cannot contain tomorrow's promise. So God has to stretch you. Because the promises of God that He has for you tomorrow are bigger than you can now contain. Okay? But there's also some news that comes with any sort of stretching, any sort of new wine. New wine always requires a new death. That goat's got to come from somewhere. (laughs) That goat skin just didn't show up. Somebody sacrificed that goat. Somebody had to kill that thing. And I... Sometimes I think that there's stuff in us that God's waiting to be killed. And maybe it's fear, maybe it's shame, maybe it's regret, maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's something that you're harboring and keeping. In fact, you know, Jesus talks about how we're to die to ourselves every day. Maybe we just need to die to ourselves and our own ambitions and our own plans and our own goals. And as we said a while ago, I, every day I take the pieces of my life and I lay them on the altar and I wait for your fire to come, God. And I'm saying, I don't really care what you do with my life, God. I'm just going to lay it all out here. And if you want to consume it, consume it. If you want to purify it, purify it. If you want to ignite it, ignite it. So let's just, let's just ask ourselves the question to find out how blind we are. How's your pace? How's your pace? If you're moving really fast, then you know too much. <laughs> you know too much. If you're, if, if you're just feel unsettled in your pace and you're patient, trying to figure it out and figure out your finances and figure out your marriage and figure this out, and I can do it, I'm in control, then maybe you need to put the blindfold on and say, God, I I don't know anything. Second question is, what are you reaching for? What are you reaching for? Where are you trying to find Stability. I'm uncertain with our nation. What's the news think? <laughs> what, what do our friends think? What do, no, God, what do you think? I want to reach out to the heart of the Father and say, God, what are you doing? Maybe God's blindfolding our nation. Because He wants our nation to tune our ears back to Him. Maybe we need to be blind. Maybe our nation is better off blind. Because when we're blind and we don't understand what's happening... We're forced to use our other senses and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you doing? Where are you taking me? Where, what are you doing in me right now? I, I, don't, I don't know everything about this message yet. It's fresh. It's, it's still marinating in me. <laughs> but I do know that I'm becoming more and more determined that I'm better off blind. I'm better off going. I'm better off in the hands of the creator of the universe who said the Bible says that he's Alpha and Omega. You know what that means? The beginning and the end. What am I worried about? God God walked into our future and checked it out and came back and said, Okay, here's what we're gonna do. It's gonna be good. You trust me? You trust me? Take five steps forward. Stop. Take five steps backwards. Stop. And maybe you feel like God's walking you backwards right now. Maybe you feel like you're blind. Maybe you feel like you're on the edge of a cliff. It boils down to one simple question. Do you trust God? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Father, thank you for... Thank you for caring enough about my future. I, I apologize. I ask for forgiveness for anything that I've tried to do to manipulate or control or shift or maneuver my life or those around me. I embrace the blindness. And I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I don't know how that circumstance is going to resolve. And I don't understand anything about tomorrow, but I understand that right now you're here and you're with me and you're going to give me the next step when your timing is perfect. And I don't need to run. I don't need to run. I don't need to worry about it. I'm going to stop where I'm at and be mindful of how great you are in the season of which I am. I'm going to slow down my pace. I'm going to slow down my pace. I'm going to reach out for you. I'm going to grab your hand and I'm going to listen to your voice. My ear is becoming in tune with your voice and your words are sweeter than honey I'm so desperate for your word God I'm so desperate for your direction so desperate for the next step that I would rather keep this blindfold on and be close to you than to take it off and run like a gazelle our trust is in you Father our trust is in you
0: Thank you for joining us today for this week's message at Victory Church, where we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond themselves, and be transformed. The only way they can happen is through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this ministry has impacted your life in any way, we would like to invite you to partner in giving towards this ministry. You can do that by visiting our website at victory.church/give or download our Victory Church app and select Give. Once again, thank you, and God desires for us to live life to the full.